You're listening to the Rural Advancement Podcast. Rural Advancement provides resources to empower, equip, and encourage rural pastors and churches. Join our community by visiting us at ruraladvancement.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rural Advancement. This is the podcast that is by rural leaders and for rural leaders. It is our goal every single week, week in and week out, to bring you content that is not just spoken to the rural church, but is spoken by people who get it, people who have lived, worked, and ministered in rural places and understand the value of what God does in small, out-of-the-way places. I am your host, Joe Epley, and this week we have the rare occasion where I record a solo episode. Uh, There's just uh, two things that coalesce at the same time. One, as the holidays approach, it's always interesting uh, finding people with free time. And two, there's definitely a theme as we approach kind of this traditional season of gratitude that's been stirring in my heart that I felt would be good to share with you today. And so today, as we dive into this discussion, I just want to talk for a minute about gratitude, right? We are recording this episode as uh, Thanksgiving is coming up next week. And so we have this opportunity, right, to reflect on what it means to have gratitude for the rural church in your context. Uh, To give you some background for why this theme is so important to me, I think a lot of it comes from the fact that when you are ministering in a rural place for any length of time, as many opportunities as exist to have gratitude, there seem to be twice as many opportunities that exist to not have gratitude, right? The rural context is a place not only of joy, but of immense struggle. There can be some unique pressures that happen, and uh, and I don't want to be insensitive to that. And so, As we dive into this conversation, though, there's some circles of gratitude, I think, concentric circles that uh, have really kept me going in my tenure in rural, as well as as I interview person after person after person. These are the themes that come up time and again. And so as we work our way outward, the first thing I want to start with is I would love to see uh, rural pastors have a gratitude for the call of God, right? This can be on the surface, maybe a no-brainer. You know, we're all happy to be pastoring or whatever have you. But you scratch an inch below the surface and there's a reality of the call of God, which is that it often involves sacrifice. If you felt the Lord's call to a rural place, there's definitely a chance that you say, man, God, I don't know that I wanted to leave the place I was at or Maybe you went from a big place to a small place and there was a culture shock. Maybe you went from a productive rural context to one that didn't seem to have as much growth. Maybe you left the town where you thought you were going to plant your family and had to move somewhere else. And so the encouraging thing for me when it comes to the conversation of gratitude is that the call of God is uh, a comforting thing. It is a challenging thing. It is a thing that does involve sometimes suffering and hardship. But it is something that we can reflect on to say, you know what? God has called me. And because God has called me, I can be confident that when he sends me to a place, whatever the purposes are of that place, that God will accomplish them. It is part of the wonderful and exciting roller coaster that we ride in ministry, is that we get to follow the call of God on our lives. And so I guess I encourage you in a very practical way to reflect on the call of God, whose life would have been different. You know, if you had not been around, maybe there's a parishioner, maybe there's a community member, maybe it's your life, your family's life. And if you're in a season of no or little growth, I just, I guess I counsel you or encourage you to continue to press in because what God's purpose is, is there. You know, the call is real. And uh, when he calls you to a place, there is that sustaining, that encouragement, and ultimately the blessing of God. It doesn't always happen right away, but... There are some people who have said, yeah, I was in a rural town for a couple years or eight years or 10 years or 25 years. 
And sometimes these themes emerge over time, but depending on your season, I just want you to remember to have gratitude for God's call on your life. He has put you there for a purpose, and that purpose matters. The second layer of gratitude, the second circle, if you will, that I think is super important is to love the town that you live in. The thing about a rural context is that you don't necessarily get the option to divorce your church life from the life of the community. And it has been a theme over and over on this podcast that those who make it, if you will, for a long time in rural ministry are those who find a way to love their town. Now, that does not mean wearing rose-colored glasses. There is a truth that some rural contexts are very hard. Um, There are some qualities that make them really great that we think of. Uh, Things like, you know, that shared sense of community or kind of this group responsibility for for raising people and families. Uh, Some people point to the strong um, culture around youth, you know, if that's, uh, you know, something we're trying to build in our church. Some people point to the general sense in which communities have open opportunities for involvement. And so you can really do a lot of good in a small place uh, with some intentionality. But other people point to rural towns and they highlight some of the rougher features. The fact that rural towns often shun outsiders and can treat people who are moving there kind of poorly at times. Uh, Some people talk about the fishbowl effect where you might have a family leave your church on Sunday and you have to buy groceries from them on Monday at the local, you know, grocery store. And there can be a lot of unique pressures uh, where problems don't just disappear. They just keep existing right in front of you. People don't necessarily tie up in neat bows or slip out the back door because, again, it could be a very small context where you run into these people all the time. But in the midst of all that, I just want to encourage you, those who make it, those who say, man, I was able to last long term in my small town, are people who learn to look around and say, man, I'm going to choose to see value in my community. Learn some of its history, right? Uh, most towns have a small local museum or someone who's old enough to remember a lot of things. And, uh, and I encourage you to, to learn more about the town. What, what made it special? Why did people move there in the first place? What are some of the stories of people who have sacrificed and built this town from what it was to what it is? Also, just as a reminder, you know, it can be hard to be grateful for the town you're in. And yet this is what shapes the worldview, how people work, how they serve, how they um, attend your church, how they give. All these are shaped by the town that they live in and the culture they're a part of. And so I encourage you to become a student of your small town. Get into all the local festivals and and check out the the dinky museum that that sits on the edge of town and, and hear people's stories because I promise you that over time, when you learn more about a thing, it breeds empathy and compassion and genuine love for the context God has placed you in. He has not just called you to a church, but has called you to a community. The third concentric circle that I think is quite important and, again, might be a no-brainer, But you have to love uh, the church that God has called you to pastor. Uh, Again, it would be nice in an ideal world to think that we all wake up and say, man, I love my church. But truth be told, we know that churches can be places of of joy and victory or they can be places of immense struggle. Uh, One thing that we find common among pastors is, is we look around and recognize what we don't have, especially in a rural context. You might have a great kids ministry, but no youth ministry. You might have an awesome men's Bible study and no good worship leader. You might have a great thriving seniors ministry and no young families attending your church. And it is so tempting as a rural pastor to start playing the comparison game, to say, man, if my church only had X, if that family had not left when they did, if the recession hadn't hit and I lost half the people in my community due to layoffs, you know, you can can think of a thousand reasons. But it's important to look at your church the way that God does. And this is really a matter of prayer. 
um, that I kind of encourage and invite you to because prayer is powerful. And not just like a one-day prayer of saying, hey, God, help me see the church through your eyes, but a daily exercise, a discipline to say, God, I need to see this church through your eyes. Because when you see the church through God's eyes, one, uh, the first thing that happens is you become aware of a greater story. A lot of our churches and rural communities have history, and it predates us and will outlast us, God willing. And it's important to see yourself as just a piece of that bigger story, right? It, be, it breeds a love where there was maybe contempt. It breeds caution and slow progress where maybe before you were rushing to change and trying to bulldoze over people. It breeds understanding and empathy because you recognize that while you are one of the pastors of this church, there are people who will live, work, and die in this community. People of the soil, if you will, who even if you get the opportunity to leave, they don't. And so it's really encouraging to start to pray and say, God, can I see people? Can I see the church the way you see them? Can I see them through your eyes? Can I view myself, the pastor, as a servant of this congregation, letting my body be the bridge that is stepped over at times so that people can come to know Jesus in this place? I think this gratitude for the local church can also manifest itself in being willing to uh, submit to the process of change, even if it takes time. There are beliefs that may have been deeply held for decades that you might walk into and say, man, I've been here five years, 10 years, and it still doesn't seem it's shifted. And yet we have to recognize that, especially in the rural church, God is often playing the long game. It's not necessarily uh, the individual moments, but it's saying, how can I play my part in the greater story of where this church needs to go, of some of the sacred cows that might need to be removed, of some of the journeys that people need to walk through to get to a place of wholeness and health, some of the you know, bad theology or bad ideas that need to be rooted out. And that takes commitment, relational commitment. But you cannot be in true relationship with somebody unless you're willing to accept their flaws and their faults. One of my favorite examples here is this, is that, uh, you know, you've heard of things like armchair quarterbacks. People who, with the benefit of six different camera angles on the NFL Sunday, uh, can definitely see that the quarterback should have made a better call. And yet, if you talk to somebody who's on the field in the game, they'll tell you a totally different experience. And it gains our sympathy to say, oh, man, you're actually out there playing the game. There's a lot of pressures I wasn't aware of. You know, and, it, and this change of perspective is true a thousand times over in the rural church. We come in and we say, well, I view the church this way. And then you learn that somebody, you know, 60 years prior made a decision that caused this cascading effect that brought people to where they are. There was a family that might be a thorn in your side who was there and sustained the church through uh, tough seasons of maybe pastoral uh, upheaval or turmoil. And so, we, we can't just look on the surface and say, well, I could have made a better call or I wish the church was this way. We have to get in the weeds. We have to be genuine. We have to say, hey, I'm going to relationally commit to you, right? I think often of subjects that, that change once we learn of someone in that situation. Uh, one of the most common examples is addiction, right? Uh, if you think of an addict and you've never struggled with addiction or known someone to struggle with addiction, you might have some pretty strong opinions, uh, some people might rail against the evil of drugs and alcohol, as they rightly should. But you notice a tone shift when somebody has someone in their family who struggles with addiction or maybe has had a history of that themselves, because they may not change the content of the message. They may still rail against the evils of alcohol or drugs or other addictive behaviors or, or things, 
But they come at it from a place of understanding. They say, you know, yeah, these are bad things, but these are real people struggling with those things. And they're important and they matter. And so I guess I just want to encourage you. The rural church is often the same way. We come in and rail against the, the slow pace of change and the people who seem stuck in their ways and, and some of the struggles that might seem more obvious in a rural setting or the fact that growth is so much slower. And yet God is asking us to take an empathetic approach to show true gratitude uh, for the people in our church. So another circle of gratitude that kind of springs from this is you have to be grateful for the community. Now, obviously, we've talked about the town itself and we've talked about the church, but I also want to highlight this intangible word, this intangible definition of community. When we think of community, we tend to think of the people that we relate to most, our family, our friends, our coworkers, the people we go to when we need advice or counsel, the people we visit just to have fun and unwind. It's this intangible word that is often elusive in a rural context. Um, and let me tell you what I mean. Frequently in a rural church, there are different demographics. And what I've noticed uh, as a rural pastor and when I've talked to other rural pastors is that frequently uh, we might actually be always looking for the uh, demographic that's not there. If you are young and single in ministry, you might look around your rural church and say, well, gosh, there's no young single people here. If you're newly married, you might say, man, I, I really lament the, the lack of young couples, even though there might be a bunch of single people around, you know. If you uh, suddenly have kids, you know, well, then you might say, man, I'm married with kids and there's no other young families who have kids. And there might be some married couples, but they just don't understand the pressures of, man, having a two-year-old and what that change brings to your life. Maybe you have older kids and you're saying, man, I feel like a lot of people in the church are either younger than me or older than me. Maybe your kids have left. Maybe you're close to retirement. But what I've noticed is over time, it is so challenging because people tend to see the demographics that are not there. They say, well, I wish I had people my age, my stage of life, my season. And one of the things that I feel like has been reiterated over and over and has proven true in my own life is that God doesn't always bring us the community we want. You know, like you may, you may say, man, here's my ideal thing. I wish I had this many people in my life sharing with me this many things. And I wish I had this person who understood me, who lived close by. But God might bring you to a totally different sense of community. And we have to be grateful for the people who are there, not the ones who are not. In eastern Montana, which has been my background for rural context, uh, there was a season where I was 23 and in youth ministry, and I wanted friends who were pastors. And obviously, I had my lead pastor in my church. Uh, but as I looked around, I just recognized that there were no ministers my age. And not just like in my town, but I'm talking in the entire eastern third of the Montana state when it came to the Assemblies of God. Uh, I looked around and I saw pastors in their 40s, if I was lucky, but honestly, more often in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and even 80s. And I had a choice to make at the age of 23. I could either have, you know, no friends in ministry who live close to me, or I could go sit down with someone two, three times my age and learn their story and become true, um, you know, companions in the faith and, and true friends. And this isn't a story to highlight, you know, my choice or, or whatever is as better or anything else, but it's mostly to say that uh, it wasn't the community I was looking for. It really was not the way I thought it would pan out. I was kind of hoping to have more people my age, more people who were at my stage of life. And yet the Lord works through those friendships. And it's been reiterated on this podcast again and again that God has this way of bringing us the right people. We just need to be able to see them through God's eyes. And so I encourage you uh, to have gratitude for your community, you know, that, that intangible sense of who you surround yourself with, even if it's not the people you expect. 
uh, a final thought because we we've kind of reviewed this you know going outward right we've talked about the the gratitude for the call gratitude for the town gratitude for the church and gratitude for your sense of community uh and and i think what ties it all together is maybe this gratitude for the season the lord has you in uh the rural church can be quite a crucible uh, a lot of people have described the rural church as more of a missionary context than a pastoral place because if you're moving from a town with, you know, let's just get practical with amenities to a place without amenities, there is a sense of sacrifice. There's a sense of saying, uh, you know, my if you're married, you know, you could say, man, my kids might not have the opportunity to do certain music lessons or, or have certain educational opportunities if I move to this town. You know, uh, there's an understanding if you're single to say, man, uh, I, I might want to get married someday. I might be moving to a town where there's not that many, you know, uh, young, you know, eligible Christ following people around me. You know, if you're moving for any other reason, you, know, you, you might not find that sense of, of community. And in, instead, it might be a place of sacrifice. And there are truly some delightful people you meet in rural towns. There's delightful seasons that are fruitful and full of the, the joy of the Lord. There are seasons of baptisms and growth and new kids programs and, and anything else. But there are also seasons where, despite your best efforts, growth isn't happening, where families leave through circumstances of zero control that you have over the situation and end up being uh, just this this deflating thing. You know, we've had pastors on this podcast to say, yeah, uh, you know, a local source of work shut down and I lost six families. That's givers, that's kids, that's volunteers. And how do you recover from that? But one thing I think we need to recognize is that Ultimately, when it comes to shaping a minister, God wastes nothing. And you may be looking around in your rural context saying, I'm grateful for where I'm at. Or you might say, man, I am having trouble seeing what God is doing in this season. But can I just, again, encourage you to find a place of prayer and say, God, help me see this season through your eyes. God, what is it you're shaping me to be? What is it that the, the, the struggle is working out? What is it that the good season is producing? Because I guarantee you God's at work. And now as we close out this thought, I just want to get real practical for a second. When it comes to creating gratitude in your life, and I've already touched on it just a little bit, but I want to highlight it one more time. A lot of it, as you might have noticed as I've been talking, is a matter of prayer. Uh, there's a daily discipline we need to have where we say, God, please help me see the world through your eyes. Help me see through eyes of gratitude. Uh, it's the classic dangerous prayer, you know, when people say, God, I pray for humility because uh, the common joke is that, you know, you'll find yourself in embarrassing situations. But truly, I believe the Lord listens when we incline our heart in a direction, when we say, God, I want to exist in a place of gratitude. Uh, the second step that you can take uh, often involves a lot of listening, learning, and being genuinely curious about the world around you. When it comes to loving your church, loving your town, establishing community with unlikely people, a lot of it just involves saying, okay, I'm going to bite the bullet and invite someone out for coffee or go out for dinner or go ask the local museum more about my local town or, you know, take the time on a Saturday to go to that local event or festival or whatever it is. It involves a total shift of our mentality. It involves watching what we say from the pulpit to make sure that we, we are expressing gratitude. It might even involve some accountability partners to say, hey, uh, you know, maybe it's a spouse or a close friend or a deacon at the church, uh, and you say, hey, can you just help me monitor my language? I want to make sure I'm expressing gratitude with my words. And I believe that as we begin to, to do these practices, 
uh, it can revolutionize the context in which we pastor. Whether you are called to a rural place for two years or five years or 10 years or, or even farther beyond that, I think cultivating gratitude is a skill that can go anywhere because larger contexts too have their own struggles. But when it comes to the rural church, there are certainly unique sets of pressures. There's great highs and there's low lows. There's awesome benefits, but also high walls to traverse and climb as we seek to do God's work in these tough places. And so I guess as I close, as you approach Thanksgiving in this general season of the year where gratitude is found, I just want you to be encouraged. Start somewhere, start with one prayer, one action, one moment of intentionality, and begin to foster gratitude in your life. And once again, from all of us at Rural Advancement, I just want to say thanks. We hope you have a happy holiday season. We hope that uh, you continue tuning in for great stories of the rural church. Uh, We hope that you share the word with people around you who might need to hear these conversations. Um, And once again, I've been your host, Joe Epley, and we will see you next week.